Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you by Manscaped. Thanks to listener participation over the last several months, Manscaped has been kind enough to sponsor the podcast. As long as people continue using our promo code SUNNYINKC to get 20% off their entire orders. So thanks to everyone who's helped us out so far. Uh, this is incredible. Check out this suggested intro for the ad read. With live sports being back, it's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. So our partners at Manscaped want to make sure your Nuggets are safe as possible when they meet the Clippers. Ah, what wordplay, that's great. But for real, it's been amazing to be partners with them. I've been super impressed with their products. Per their ad copy, Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their lawnmower trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code SUNNYINKC at manscaped.com and take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. There have been some reports recently that the Department of Defense, they confirmed earlier this summer that there were objects not of this earth that they actually have. So that's basically confirming aliens. And because it's 2020, it's like the 10th biggest news story of the year instead of oh it's not even the 10th biggest news story yeah yeah you're right you're right instead of it instead of it being like literally the greatest thing that humans have ever discovered it's like oh yeah by the way department of defense confirmed aliens so i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of just things that i think about with you know how long people have known about them and what they've actually you know how many of them have been here and what they've done and it's a very fascinating subject i think about aliens basically every day you know, I don't think about aliens very often, but I did see a tweet today from the Space Force, and they are keeping us safe from the alien threat, whatever that might be. I, they have a logo. It looks like the uh, Star Trek communicator logo, which is different from the logo they had the last time I read one of their tweets. Um, something about, I'm just going to read you this tweet so that you can, can get a sense of what's kind of going on here with the, uh, the people protecting us from the aliens. Can you imagine your loved ones coming down from the attic with your medals, achievements, and honors asking about the time you shaped the strategic environment? What, what is that? What? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Now, your loved ones are coming down from the attic and they're saying, grandpa, tell us about the time you shaped the strategic environment. Oh no. Uh, That's I mean, such a poorly crafted tweet. That tweet sounds like it was written by an alien. It, it does. In fact, one of the top comments on here said, uh, you, did you use one of those, you know, like algorithm generators to yeah. craft the suite, which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> exactly. Those are the people protecting us from the aliens, which has me a little bit a little bit worked up when I think about that, you know, because yeah, they're wearing a much, skin suit like men in black. Like it's not. yeah. A skin suit, whether, you know, if I started watching uh, the last dance the other way, by the way, and mm-hmm. you know, there's that joke in men in black about how Robin's an alien. Yeah. That guy might actually be an alien. Yeah. He is, he is very strong. He is, he is berserk. <laughs> he was berserk on the basketball court and he is even more berserk off the basket. There were some great anecdotes about him in that. I don't know if you've seen these, but that like the interviewer scheduled a, a meeting with Rodman and he was three hours late. So they had like six hours of questions and he had to like jam it all into an hour. And then Rodman bounced. Like it was a, he just said he was the most unreliable interviewee 
that he's ever, ever come across. It was funny. Well, he's our civilian ambassador to North Korea. So that makes sense. Uh, yeah. He should is, be our civilian ambassador to the aliens too. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Kim Jong-un is an alien. I don't know, <laughs> man. It's just, there's, there's a lot going on in 2020. It's just a lot to process, but to your point, I mean, if the aliens, if they come, I just hope that they let us play football, man. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. This is the week of August 12th. That's the Wednesday that we're recording this podcast on. We have quite a bit of football news this week, so this is going to be a pretty dedicated news podcast, but we do have some mailbag questions straight from our loyal listeners. We've got a couple of first-time subscribers, uh, submitters to the show, so we're excited for that. Taylor, let's just jump right into it. Let's let's do the news, 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 news. So there is so much news this week, you guys. Uh, It feels like we had a huge news dump two weeks ago where all we were talking about was news. And then last week, there really wasn't any news except Derek Carr has a burner account. If you missed that episode, go check that out. Sports Illustrated's Trial of the Century. It was a banger. But this week, there was just, uh, there was a ton of news. And it's only Wednesday. Editors note the Travis Kelsey contract extension obviously dropped Thursday, so Austin and I will be covering that next week. Wanted to throw that in there because now we sound like idiots for not talking about it. Back to the program. Uh, If aliens were announced this week, they would be 10th on the list for this week's news, (laughs) and it would be 10th behind all the things that we're going to talk about on this show. So first, Taylor, I want to talk about fans of games. So so it was announced today, Charles Robinson over at Yahoo, who does a great pod with Therese Paler. Love that. Go check them out if you are not a subscriber to the Yahoo NFL podcast. But he announced a little nugget today. The Chiefs are among teams, including Dallas and New England, uh, possibly some other teams that are working on a pod system. We're going with an alien theme for this episode. So this pod thing is uh, intriguing to me. Uh, but a pod system for game attendance. So basically like I guess this is maybe more like a, a pod of whales than nice. it is a pod of aliens, maybe. Sure. But basically just finding clusters of people that are cool with sitting next to each other and then seating them together in the stadium. And I, I guess like peas in maybe, a pod. yeah, like peas in a pod. Sure. Who knows where the, the word came from, right? But you and I are crafting a pod right now. So there are many iterations of pod. Oh, there certainly are. Basically, the Chiefs are apparently, they're still trying to figure out a way to have fans in attendance in the stadium. Looks like New England, Dallas are among teams that are, are looking into doing this pod system. The Cowboys said today, Jerry Jones had a press conference today and said that they are planning to have fans for all of the games this year. Um, obviously, I, I mean, the implication was that it would be at reduced capacity, although I don't know that that was explicitly clear. Uh, Taylor, there are a lot of teams that have said no fans, period. Uh, we've got Philly, Washington, the Packers have said, at least for the first month, the Saints announced today that they would not have any fans for their first game, which is against Tom Brady and the Ooh. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, obviously a game that they certainly would have loved to have packed the Superdome for, I'm sure. Uh, the Raiders are not going to have fans all year. What, I, I mean, discuss, what What do you think about this? It's, it, it's kind of going the way of, it's, it's not 
whole cancellations, it's not that extreme, but it's definitely a serious situation. And you can tell because the, the look of fanless NFL games is going to be horrible. And, you know, they do make quite a bit on attendance and parking and concessions and all that stuff, but that's not really what's at play here. Really for the NFL, it's about a reputation. It's about their, their image and not having fans at some of the, you know, in Brady versus breeze week one and, and the new Vegas stadium and all these different, uh, it's just, it's dire. It shows how dire the COVID situation really is for the NFL. Um, obviously, they're taking it extremely cautiously and seriously. And uh, it's, it's too bad. You know, you and I were, as we've discussed many times, going to be one of these week one fans that are now no longer going to be in attendance due to this. And uh, it's just, it's just too bad. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a little bit surprising to me that the, the league has sort of taken this laissez faire hands-off approach to teams deciding because I get that none of the stadiums are going to be full, right? But it does seem like having some amount of fans in the stadium is a little bit of a competitive advantage. I guess Certainly. we'll see. You know, I mean, this will it be a fun that season way right now. to go back and quantify all the, the numbers, the figures. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like, you know, some teams, especially, you know, say Dallas, for example, they play in a dome, which setting aside the fact that, that inviting people into a dome in the state of Texas to watch football seems extremely reckless to me that, you know, I mean that there's going to be a a non zero amount of noise in that stadium. You know, I mean, you're asking those teams to go on the road and play in an environment where, you know, there is a little bit of a competitive advantage to the home team. It's a little bit weird to me that the NFL has not stepped in and, and just imposed it. Yeah. Uniform restrictions on all the teams. Yeah. Yeah. It is a little strange to me. Yeah. And I mean, I know they're trying to, as much as they can probably pass the buck a little bit. I don't think the NFL wants to make that decision. I think it's something that um, much like, you know, the, at the federal level, like everything's being passed off to cities and States right now, there's really no national plan for anything. And that includes this situation where, you know, the NFL is looking at each of these teams. And I would imagine if they tell a team that wants fans that the rule is going to be no fans that that team could probably sue the NFL maybe for like some sort of, you know, lost damages and stuff like that. And then vice versa, if they say, well, the rule is going to be, you know, 15% capacity and then some cities have overwritten the NFL and they've said, no, we're not allowing any, you know, it's messy. It's there. There's really probably no way to do it as a whole blanket rule, but competitively the NFL does still control the rules of the league. And if they had a competitive spin to it and they said, well, because some teams are not allowing fans, we're going to just not allow fans across the league. I mean, I, I guess I could see them getting away with it. The NFL gets away with murder anyway. So what would be one more crazy rule change? But um, yeah, it's just, I, I don't envy anybody in situations where they have to make decisions right now because really there's no winning any decision that anyone makes about COVID. That is a perfect transition. To topic number two. Oh, I'm aware. Because that is college football. What's happening with college football, Taylor? Big Ten canceled on Monday, announced that they were canceling fall football. They were canceling the season. Then the Pac-12 on Tuesday came out and canceled their games as well. The Big 12, as of today, which is Wednesday, the news out of the Big 12 is that they are still planning to play. Uh, KU's athletic director said that they were going to have some non-conference opponents, mm-hmm. that they were still working on getting the contract finalized there. So who knows who that's going to be. But the 
Big 12 still planning to move forward. Of course, the SEC will will play or die trying. Or yeah, maybe. probably in packed houses. <laughs> yeah, probably both. Uh, they have not made any kind of official statement, but I, I think they're they're obviously their plan is full steam ahead. Uh, Mountain West, obviously not one of the Power Five, but they're looking to move to spring. It's just a disaster. But there's a lot to kind of unpack here, and a lot to kind of discuss as it relates specifically to our Kansas City Chiefs. So, first, you know the kind of one of the very first stories to come out of this on Monday when the Big Ten announced that they were not going to be playing football this fall was that the NFL could move games to Saturdays, which obviously is typically when people would be watching college football. And the ramification for that would be for the NFL. Obviously, you know, Saturday is a a day that they set aside for college to play their games. They don't compete with college football on Saturdays, but they obviously could make a ton of money showing football games on Saturdays if they're not going to have any competition. So as I guess far as I don't this, really follow that logic because don't they already make the money that they would make if they play the games on Sundays? Where, where is the more money coming from? I guess. Well, I think because they're national telecasts, right? So you obviously the, you know, in the morning, oh, the regional you know, if you coverage, get, yeah, if you get basic, oh, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. basic cable. I mean, yep. now obviously you and I hmm. were, premium at least piraters of you know all of the games or watch red zone with scott hansen you know like we've got yeah. we've got all the games at the same time just blasting into our living rooms but <laughs> some people that is not the case some people are still watching you know just the the basic game whatever they get on tv you know they're not finding a way to stream it from the internet or paying an exorbitant reddit nfl money. streams just google reddit nfl streams <laughs> every year and you will get all of the video for free close a couple or- pop-ups you're in good shape or you can pay an exorbitant amount of money to direct TV and you can get whatever package they're offering for like a million dollars so that you can watch your game. I would recommend probably the option that Taylor's suggesting. We're not uh, you know, suggesting you break the law or anything like that, but that is a convenient option. I just told them what to Google. That's all. That's true. You didn't, you didn't actually, you didn't force them to do anything. Nope. So, I mean, I think the, the implication here is, you know, if they don't, they're, they're not going to have, essentially it's more primetime games and yeah, primetime games now. have a, a yeah, the regional coverage that makes, that makes sense. And so, you know, I mean, literally this tweet, like the, the instant the big 10 announced that they weren't having football, people were like, all right, well, <laughs> the NFL is going to swoop on this, which <laughs> the NFL for, for all the bashing we just did in the previous segment, they are very good at making money. And you know that they are just salivating over the idea of like, we're going to get, you know, three or four more primetime games a week. We're going to zoom in. We're going to have football on Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, four days a week. Uh, They got to be going nuts. Well, and think about from the perspective of the TV and the advertisers, like, like if they're, if there's going to be no college football and they have all these TV deals already in place, obviously, because everybody was, you know, they're going to be left holding the bag right now. And they're going to be thinking, I don't know if they have insurance for situations like this. If the games get canceled, what do they put it on instead? I mean, I don't know if some of these advertisers are going to be paying a million dollars for a 32nd spot during golden girls instead of, you know, college football, because I, I just, so you've got to think that more than just the NFL wants to get it done. Everybody involved with that wants to get something done and they want to put something in front of fans on Saturdays as well as Sundays. And, you know, obviously then the regional coverage on Sundays would increase. It would just be, you know, you move some of the games out of Sunday and into Saturday, then all of a sudden the regional game that only is going to give you Florida and the, and the Georgia area down there is now going to expand to like all the whole East coast or something. So, I mean, it's definitely, 
good for everyone involved if they can spread that out a little bit. It's obviously not good for college football, but they're already not going to be there. So um, I, I would be shocked if something doesn't happen along these lines. We were just talking about the nightmare that this would be for all the contracts, all of the, with the NFL, obviously the, the agreements between the individual clubs and the league and the stadiums mm-hmm. and the TV networks. I'm sure it's going to be a nightmare to work out legally, but now that they have, now, I mean, now that they know that there's going to be some openings on Saturday, now I assume the SEC, Big 12, if they're playing, are still going to be playing on Saturdays. Yeah. But there certainly is going to be some room for the NFL to sneak a game or two at least in on Saturdays. I promise that we would tie this back to the Chiefs. This is why it's important to me. Uh, moving to Saturdays means more money for the NFL. More money for the NFL means more money towards the 2021 cap situation. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before, and we'll talk about it again because there was some Chiefs cap news that broke this week. The cap next year is going to have a floor of $175 million, which is about 25 below what it would have been projected to be. So it was projected to be about $200 million. The absolute lowest it can go next year per the agreement between the NFL and the Players Association is 175 But it doesn't have to be 175 that's only if they have a huge, I mean, yeah, if there's a massive, scenario. massive revenue shortfall, worst case scenario, that's the lowest that it can be. That's what they've negotiated. If the NFL can swoop in on these Saturday games and get, you know, everything worked out to get these games in a prime time, and especially if, you know, football, the only football for, you know, half the country, you know, for the Big Ten, for the Pac-12, all of these people that would be watching college football, now the NFL is the only game in town for those people, football-wise, they're going to make ludicrous amounts of money. I mean, I don't know the economics of it, but I have to think that the money they would make from getting those extra primetime games would, like, almost completely cancel out the amount that they lose at the gates, right? I mean, especially when you're talking about, I mean, for advertisers, not that they would necessarily be paying more money, but think about the viewership that you're getting as an advertiser, right? Like I I would assume, you know, we're seeing obviously with the return of the NBA bubble, which is killing it ratings wise, baseball Mm -hmm. is doing well. People miss their sports, man. They do. And those sports are nothing compared to NFL games. Like the ratings that the NFL get starting in a month when the Chiefs kick off against the Texans are going to be outrageous. Yeah. So, And there's not going to have been any preseason. So everyone's just, you know, they've circled that Thursday night date with Chiefs-Texans. Like it's going to be every NFL fan and tons of people that aren't NFL fans are going to watch that day. So yeah, you're, you're definitely right that there's a, there's an opportunity there, which would, benefit the cap situation there's no question about it and you know the the opening of college football just gives the nfl one more one more bullet in its chamber as far as making sure that they squeeze every dime out of this situation as they possibly can and i you know selfishly for the chiefs because the chiefs are in a bit of a cap situation i mean not horrible but they're they're on the lower end of it um you know every dollar is going to help so it would uh, it would certainly, yeah, if one or more or two of the uh, college leagues decide to cancel, that will do nothing but good things for the Chiefs as well. The other aspect of this that I kind of wanted to unpack as it relates to the Chiefs is, you know, how the, the draft might play out. And we yeah. kind of speculated about this before, you know, when it was a hypothetical that some college, you know, some Power Five conferences might be canceling. Now it's not a hypothetical. It's a reality. We already have two. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to kind of 
kind of unpack that from a Chiefs perspective, just how that will affect the draft. You know, the the Mountain West, obviously not a power five, but they were looking to move to the spring. Um, that's one possibility. You know, the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, as far as I know, are not planning to do that. They've made no announcements that that is their plan, that they're right. just, they're canceling the season. But obviously there's a lot of players on those teams that would be draft eligible and will be will be draft eligible, will be throwing their hat into the NFL draft. Those guys will not have played since 2019 unless there's some other outlet, whether that be, you know, some kind of special exhibition type season in the spring, you know, maybe involving multiple conferences, whether that's the XFL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Come on, save us, Rock. Uh, whether the Rock with with his bailout money comes in and puts together like, uh, you know, just a, an XFL league of essentially draft eligible players in the spring. Yeah which obviously he should do. I mean, that would be amazing. We're talking about ratings gold. That would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just kind of exploring this, I mean, the Chiefs, you'd have to think that this would be an advantage for the Chiefs because there's less information available. I mean, there's less tape, hmm. there's less opportunity to scout. And the Chiefs have already proven, especially over the last couple of drafts, that they are – well above average they're they're in the upper echelon in terms of advanced scouting amateur scouting the way they put together their draft boards the way they they approach and attack the draft the chiefs last two draft classes we're obviously going to see the the 2020 guys here in about a month but the last two draft classes have been really strong and in addition to that what the chiefs have done with you know undrafted free agents bottom of the roster guys we've talked about this before we talk about this it seems like almost every week because Brett Veach is out there killing it every single week but guys like Charvarius Ward who was you know traded um, for Parker Erringer you know essentially he was a he was a an, an undrafted free agent that the chiefs then swooped in and picked up for you know a guy they were going to cut the chiefs have done such a good job with those moves and you have to think that you know, if for whatever reason, these Big Ten guys, these Pac-12 guys, whoever else doesn't end up playing, if those guys aren't able to get on the football field in some capacity prior to the 2021 draft, you have to think that the Chiefs are probably in a better position than most teams. Now, obviously, no team wants to be in that position, right? Like, sure. every team would like to be able to scout these guys more. But there's something to be said for just having a very well-run organization and especially a well-run scouting department that can kind of pivot and adjust. Yeah, the really impressive thing about the Chiefs for you know us outsiders is that it, it appears that the more difficult the task is, the more they rise above the competition. So for you know whatever curveballs that are thrown at every team – I trust the chiefs to be able to handle it better than the other teams would just based on their track record and the, you know, the leadership in place and all that stuff. So if you give us more curveballs, if you give us more difficulty with the players not being able to be scouted as easily or the OTAs being done virtually or all the, you know, everything that happens where the team has to adjust on the fly, I like the chiefs chances better than the other 31 teams at handling situations like that. And this would be no different there. Um, It'll be interesting because there will be essentially three classes of college player. You will have college player that played a full regular fall schedule and then is ready to go in the spring draft where they used to have the full tape of their senior year or their last year in college. Then you'll have, 
college players that are playing during the draft because the draft would be in April when they would be having spring football. And so you would yeah, have guys the that fell or whatever. Or the, yeah, exactly. Some sort of spring exhibition, which is going to be right around that time that guys are going to have to scramble and they're going to have to, you know, go watch guys as they're putting their draft board together and all that stuff. And then you'll have the third class of guys that haven't played, like you said, since 2019. And so there's just, a, there are going to be a lot of variables, a lot of balls in the air, a lot of stuff for the, for the scouting department and the draft team and all that to be able to fit in their heads about who they want to go after. And I just, I, we've used the Ender's game model before, but Ender, you know, when he had to face two armies at once and that's, you know, like the more stuff that gets thrown at the chiefs, I just feel like as long as it's thrown at every team equally, which situations like this would be, uh, bring it on. Like I, I like, I like their chances a lot. Yeah, and the Chiefs have a little bit of an advantage, too, in that next year's draft class, the Chiefs are going to have more picks than they have had in quite a while. So they're currently projected for one first-rounder, one second-rounder, one third-rounder. That's all standard. Mm -hmm. But then they are currently projected for two fourth-round picks. One of those is a comp pick from Kendall Fuller, who signed with Washington. And then two fifth-round picks. uh, That was a comp pick for Emmanuel Ogba. And then one seventh round pick. So they traded their sixth round pick in 2021 to move back up into the 2020 draft and take, I believe, was Legereous it? Sneed? Uh, was it Sneed or Keys? It was oh, it was Keys. It was Dakarius. I yeah. got it. Legereous Dakarius, you know. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, tough. sure. You know, you, but you get him. Yeah, Bo Pete. Yeah. Uh, so they will not have a sixth rounder, but they will have uh, seven seven picks in the top five rounds. So that's quite a bit more draft capital than they've had really since before they drafted Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Obviously in that draft, they had to spend the picks to move up. And then the first rounder from the following year, then this past year, they obviously, they had traded away a first Frank round Clark. pick to get Frank Clark. And yep. then this past draft, they only went into the draft with five picks. So this draft going in with eight picks total and seven in the top five rounds that's quite a bit of draft capital to play around with. I mean, obviously those picks are going to be at the bottom of the rounds, uh, we think and hope. Um, but just in terms of the sheer number of dart throws that they have, you know, that's that's a, a little bit of an advantage. It certainly yeah. is not a year where you want to be, let's say, for example, we like to pick on the Los Angeles Rams, uh, who are going to have no first round pick. I don't think they have a second round pick. You know, in, in a situation where it's obviously it's it's an uncertain situation an unfamiliar situation you want to have as many rolls of the dice as possible yeah unfortunately the chiefs are in a position to be able to do that yeah give brett veach bullets because the man don't miss and if he if you just keep loading that gun i mean they it's it's crazy how how successful the front office has been at talent evaluation basically this entire this entire administration of theirs it's it's been fun it's it's one of the for sure one of the reasons that um, you know, that we are where we are today as a franchise, all the, all the home run hits with Pat and with all the players that they've, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I can't believe that finally, you know, I'm a fan of the team. That's the smartest people in the room. It's just, it's, it's great. It is great. So another thing that is great, check out this transition here. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> another uh, thing that is just, great. Uh, just a little item here. I'm seeing that uh, Tyree Hill and McCole Hardman had a race. Mm-hmm. This past week. So this is a fun little news item. Uh, Tyreek and McColl raced. Supposedly they did a 40 yard race and a 60 yard race. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have only seen the 40 yard race. I have, I have also only seen the 40. 
So I don't know who won the 60 yard race. Okay. So there Didn't was a lot split? of controversy about that. Well, I, I don't know. I, I have not heard who won the 60 yarder. I know that McCole Hardman came out and this is how we first learned of the race that it was. Oh, taking yeah. place. Right. McCole came out and said, I raced Tyreek. We did a 40 and a 60. Who do you think won? And of course everybody was like, well, <laughs> You, you must have won at least one of them because you're talking about it, yeah. you wouldn't be tweeting about it if you, know, <laughs> if you hadn't. I don't know who won the 60, but I can tell you we got video of the 40. And I can tell you that McCall Hardman did not win the 40. Nope. Uh, it really wasn't even that close. I mean, like just as we saw when Tyreek was racing Terrell Owens a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's just out racing everybody right now. Uh, he kind of like laid up a little bit at the end. Yeah. Like he, he slowed right. down. And he still won by, you know, I mean, a, a clear margin, right? Like there was a clear margin of victory, even though he kind of held up at the end. So I don't know. There's, there's not really much to say here, except that like Tyreek Hill is, is the fastest man. He's preposterous. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, McCole Hardman is probably in the top, whatever, five in the NFL. Like, I mean, somewhere, somewhere very respectably high as far as his speed goes. And Ty just made him look like, you know, well, you'll get here someday, kid. You know, like it's just such a the, – the gap is just so huge and it it's such a mind-blowing thing to watch Tyreek Hill, A, work out, which is insane. Everything that he does with his leaping ability and all that, like he's just a freaking animal. And he's then to watch, him, to watch him run and, you know, it, it's kind of like when you see him run by himself, you're like, man, that guy's fast. And then when you see him run against people that are extremely fast <laughs> and he blows them out, then you're like, oh, he's like superhuman fast. He's like an alien. <laughs> like just bringing it back to the theme of this podcast. I love it. Uh, just to put this in perspective, Taylor, uh, you know, NFL has these next gen stats. And one of the things that they track is the fastest ball carriers. Mm-hmm. And I wish that they would just give us all of this data instead of like, you know, processing it through the lens of like here's some things that you know are kind of cool and fun and we'll share these with the fans but we're going to keep all the rest of this data just locked away give us the data Uh, but but now this this is just for fastest ball carriers this does not count the times that Tyree Kill (laughs) ran down Damian Williams from behind when he was not carrying the ball yeah but McCole Hardman had the seventh and tenth fastest uh, times speeds with the ball in his hands in week 10 against the Tennessee Titans on a 63 yard touchdown reception. That the was that pass. the jump pass. He reached a speed of 21.87 miles per hour. Oof. That was the seventh fastest speed by a ball carrier in the NFL last year. Man, that's and then in week three against the Baltimore Ravens at Arrowhead with Tyreek out, he caught an 83-yard touchdown reception. And on that, he hit a speed of 21.74, Man. which was the 10th fastest speed in the that NFL. That one was so good. Afterburners. and they, or No, yeah. I think afterburners was the jump pass. But the camera was shaking on the Baltimore one. Like, the as McColl was going into the end zone along the left side, like, literally the, the, the TV camera couldn't even, like, the, everyone was jumping up and down. And that ball by Pat barely, like, went over the defense. It was a laser. I just, ugh. Yeah, so I mean, the, the take-home here is that McCall Hardman is extremely fast. His official 40 time was a 4.33, which is very fast. It's very fast. Uh, for for reference, the fastest 40 time this past year was Henry Ruggs, who ran a 4.27. And there was a, a rumor going around when the Chiefs uh, took McCall that they had laser-timed him faster than 4.33, that they had him in the 4.2s. He got beat, like, convincingly by Tyreek mm-hmm. Hill in this mm-hmm. race. 
Tyree Kill is I hasn't lost a step. Yeah, I mean he's ridiculous. I, I don't know if you saw the the Marquise Goodwin shade that he was throwing. He was throwing some shade on Tyree Kill's form. Yeah. You know, uh, Olympic long jumper Marquise Goodwin. Oh, he was an Olympian. Guess what? He wasn't an Olympic sprinter. Nope. He was a long jumper. Okay. You know who is faster than Marquise Goodwin? Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. You know who may not have as good a form as Marquise Goodwin? Tyree Kill. Guess what? It doesn't matter because he's still faster than him. He's faster than any guy in the NFL. It's not even close, Taylor. It's ridiculous. I don't yeah, know. The only human going. that's faster than Tyreek is Usain Bolt. Yeah. 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 Put him in pads, and I think still Ty- Tyreek. Tyreek probably beats him. <laughs> but you put Usain Bolt in pads, I think yeah. Tyreek outruns him. I mean, you put Usain that. Bolt that in should pads, be his next, and, and he That should, should be play. his next race. That should be his next race. I'm just I've saying. always wondered. He's tall. He should play. Yeah. Well, that's true. He's, he also, he's retired. He's retired now. He'd though, also you know. get messed up, too. On the theme of feats of strength and feats of skill, we got a little update on the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes throw-off challenge that we talked about a little bit last week. That was like the only news item last week. Uh, here, it's it's way down on the list. But this was fun. So Pat was on Undisputed today. I refuse to watch it because Skip Bayless. Yes. I'm not going to – I probably will watch it eventually. I have not watched it yet because Skip, I don't need to hear from Skip. Blocking uh, but, and muting Skip Bayless on Twitter was like the greatest decision I ever made in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's it will – if for those of you who have not done that, highly recommended. It will save you – a lot of anxiety. Just, yeah, I mean, listen, it'll, it'll lower your blood pressure, you know, get you, get you chilled out a little bit. So Pat was on undisputed. I did hear he dodged some, you know, I mean, obviously skips on there trying to make him say stupid stuff so he can, he can, you know, he's, he's trying to pull a gotcha, mm-hmm. but Pat doesn't get got, he goes nope. and he gets, <laughs> and he was on undisputed today. And he said this about this contest. I'm just going to read this quote to you, Taylor. I think if I'm going to throw in that situation, I'll throw 80 plus yards. I know Josh Allen's got an arm too. So if he can beat 80 to 83 yards, he can beat me, but I'm going to put it out there. I promise you that. (laughs) I love it. He's like calling a shot. Like, you know, I, I personally have no idea how far Josh Allen can throw, but I, our quarterback is saying, look, I mean, I've never seen somebody throw the ball farther than me. This is how far I'm going to throw it. Yeah, if he can do it further than that, you know. Yeah, best of luck to you, buddy. Yeah, right. Congratulations. But I'm going to put it out there. I promise you that. It's just such a – Josh Allen is screwed. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's hosed. He's probably going to try to back out now, to be honest with you. But (laughs) I just wanted to share that. I mean, we talked about last week the over-under, I think, uh, on – Yeah, I think it was 83 and a half. Mm -hmm. So Pat's saying – I mean, I'm going to get it close. That was a good over/under by Vegas. I wonder if they, you know, that they they knew this was coming. Um, so, in our last item of news, Taylor, we're we're going to get into some camp hype. Now, I I put an article out on our our parent site, Sports Illustrated, last go, week. Go check out Sports Illustrated, guys. Si.com/slash/NFL/slash/Chiefs. Arrowhead Report. Report. That's right. They graciously host this podcast, and we do contribute articles there from time to time, a couple of times a week usually. So I did write about this last week to, to beware training camp hype. Now listen, training camp hype is a ridiculous phenomenon. Okay, <laughs> It gave us things like Patrick Mahomes is throwing too many interceptions in camp yep. back in 2018. That was a banger. There were Raiders and Broncos fan accounts that were bragging about how Derek Carr and Case Keenum hadn't thrown any interceptions yet right. in training camp. How'd that work out for you guys? Ooh, woof. Huh? How'd that go? A lot of those tweets are deleted now. They were also um, fired up about Flacco. 
they were fired up about Flacco. They get fired up about Derek Carr. They get fired up about Justin Herbert. It'll probably be for the Chargers yeah. this year. Who knows? Drew Locke. Uh, just bunch of, uh, just a bunch of clownery going on, basically. And and you know what? Listen, I'll own some clownery as well. I was clowning Raiders fans about David Amerson two years ago, right? You know, yeah. because David Amerson, who used to be with the Raiders and sucked, looked good in Chiefs camp for like <laughs> a week. And I was <laughs> thinking, hey. <sighs> You know, I might as well seize on this opportunity to go, you know, clown some Raiders fans about this. Yeah. And uh, I got burned on that one, too. Right? <laughs> Chiefs got him by, like, week four. He was terrible. I got burned on that just like David Amerson got nice. burned repeatedly by every, every receiver that he tried to guard in actual football games. But we got to dig into some of this camp hype. And we're going to start with a little Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hype. Clyde. So Lewis Riddick uh, earlier this week tweeted out the following. Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should be the first overall pick in fantasy drafts this season. I have had some success with taking rookie RBs first overall in the draft in the past at Saquon. And then he put up the deuces. And then he, he followed it up with this tweet to clarify. No preseason games and no joint practices means you better have some inside info as to how players are progressing in camp. I can assure you, Edwards Hilaire is progressing very well, given what they have been able to do up to this point. Jesus. So listen, guys, if you don't follow Lewis Riddick, first of all, go, go follow his Twitter account. Here's what you need to know about Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick is, uh, he's very plugged in with the Chiefs. Very. Worked with Andy Reid in the past. Mm-hmm. I think he played for him. Yeah, uh, in but Philly. He, yeah, he has... He definitely has sources. I mean, the source for this is probably Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so just to put this in perspective for you, uh, two years ago when we were in the 2018 training camp and Patrick Mahomes was throwing all these interceptions and people like Adam Teicher were bagging on him and Twitter accounts like Mile High Report were talking about how many picks he was throwing. Lewis Riddick was saying, this dude's a Ferrari. I'm giving him the nickname Ferrari Pat. I'm telling you, he is going to be a superstar. And <laughs> look how that turned out. And then last year, he was talking about the Chiefs. He was hyping up the Chiefs' second-round pick, Juan Thornhill, our, our safety out of Virginia, our second-round pick last year. And Juan Thornhill went on to have an outstanding rookie season. I mean, he was yeah, he top out. five in passer rating loud, one of the best coverage safeties in the entire NFL until he got hurt in the last week of the season. So listen, when Lewis Riddick talks Chiefs hype and he's hyping up a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, we should pay attention to that, right? Definitely. He's like, uh, you know, he's one of these, the guys that you actually trust in their player evaluation that just happens to be on TV instead of the other way around, instead of being on TV and then he happens to do some player evaluation. So he's like a Dan Orlowski. Like when, when he talks, I listen and he knows what he's doing and he knows his stuff and he's, he's spot on here. I mean, I think Clyde is going to rip the league apart and I do have the number one overall pick. In, you do. In and our, you will be choosing between the two people. Between Saquon Barkley and CEH. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been thinking about this and you know, I, I think Clyde with Damian opting out and obviously being the focal point of the best offense in football, as far as running goes, obviously well, not the, not the number one focal point. That'll be Pat. But um, I, I'm expecting him to get a ton of touchdown opportunities. He's a home run hitter. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him, and I'm probably going to look forward to watching him on my fantasy team. 
Now, before we before we move on from this tweet into our, our next uh, item of Camp Hype Taylor, I do have to clarify, we do have a keeper league. We keep two players, okay? So before you start adding us and telling us that we're noobs <laughs> for drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire first overall, and listen, listen, there are a lot of people in the NFL that don't know anything about fantasy football, yes. right? Like they'll be yes. like, oh, you know, like for example, OJ Simpson, I remember he had a tweet uh, last year, you know, since he was released from prison and now he's on Twitter. He was like, oh, should I take Patrick Mahomes first overall? Listen, guys, taking a quarterback first overall in your fantasy draft in a one quarterback format is not good. You should not be doing bet. that. It's a sucker's bet. We have convinced uh, one of our friends to <laughs> – draft Aaron Rodgers first overall one year. It was amazing. <laughs> Sorry, it was Max. incredible. Sorry, Max. Uh, but don't do it. But listen, uh, in our draft, I mean, the, the top two running backs are unequivocally Saquon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So that's going to be a fun yes, decision. Christian McCaffrey is taken, everyone. Christian McCaffrey is taken. Zeke is taken. Alvin Kamara is available. But you take I'm not Clyde sure I would go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure I would pick Why anyone not, other than McCaffrey. Over these guys, over Saquon or yeah, Clyde. I mean, I think, running, my top I think you have a a very strong argument, especially since we play and we play in a point seven five PPR league. Uh, if you think that's weird, take it up with Taylor. He's the commissioner. He's always been the commissioner. It's Come very me, strange, but <laughs> listen, it's it's a mostly PPR format. You know, I mean, Clyde edwards helaire over Zeke. I I think you can make an argument for that. So let's go to our next item of camp hype, Taylor, and that is Breland speaks. So. Just to recap, you guys are all familiar with Breland Speaks. He was Brett Veach's first draft pick back in 2018, 2018 draft. He was the second round pick. The Chiefs traded up and selected Breland Speaks, which was kind of a puzzling pick. And Breland Speaks for the last two years has looked like Fat Mac. <laughs> when Mac got fat, he's tacked on a lot of mass. Okay. <laughs> However, I want to tell you, Taylor. Barreling towards he, us. <laughs> yeah. He has been barreling towards us. He was barreling towards Tom Brady and then let him go in yeah. 2018, his rookie year. Oof. Last year, he barreled towards somebody in the preseason and he got hurt and he missed the whole <laughs> But this year, this year, Taylor, he has stopped cultivating and he has started harvesting. And Breland Speaks looks like a completely different person. I'm, like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, he looks totally totally changed he's transformed he went from fat mac to jacked mac okay mm-hmm. in the course of one off season it's it's pretty incredible to be honest with you well that's that's fun i remember the last guy that people were sharing pictures of during camp that i was like oh my god that human is insane and that was tano and yeah. he was you know gigantic and ripped and stuff and i mean he had a great year last year for for what he had done before Last year, then, you know, he, he gets a, a ripped camp picture and that's all it took and off he went. So, you know, maybe Breland's going to go the same route and uh, pop that shirt off and take a picture and then he's just going to have a great year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's worthwhile. I'm glad you brought up Tano because Tano was also a second round pick and he was uh, he was a second round pick in that 2017 draft. After Villanova. Between Pat and Kareem Hunt, RIP. Uh, and he came in and obviously his first couple of years didn't really do very much at all under Bob Sutton. And then, you know, obviously Steve Spagnuolo comes to town, starts using him a little bit of a different way. Brendan Daly comes in, defensive line coach and, and really pumps him up. And yeah, he did. He had a great year last year. He's now in a contract year. Breland speaks. It didn't really get a chance in Steve Spagnuolo's defense last year. Now he was, 
he was not in as good a shape as he appears to be now. And then he got hurt. So, you know, who's to say that it wasn't partly fitness. I mean, it probably was a little bit that he wasn't in the best shape that he could be, but who's to say that, you know, under this coaching staff, which got career years out of K pass, you know, a really good performance out of Emmanuel Ogbo when he came in. Out of Alex Michael Okafor Brown had a good year. He came in. Alex Okafor had his second highest sack total, and he only played nine or ten games. Yeah. You know, uh, who's to say that Breland Speaks can't be something in this defense? And when you look at uh, a defensive line that has Chris Jones, that has Frank Clark, that has Tano, that has Taco Charlton, who apparently has – he's doing something. We're going to talk about a little Alex Okafor news in a minute. Uh, but Taco, Breland Speaks, you know, there's a lot of Mike Pinnell. There's a lot of depth mm-hmm. on that defensive line and a lot of really good players. I mean, that is going to yeah, be high ceiling guys for sure. One of the strengths of the defense, especially if some of these guys like uh, Speaks, like Taco, maybe take a step forward. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Those were kind of the notable camp hype pieces from this week. Uh, so, just to close this out, I did want to talk a little bit about the Chiefs cap situation because we got some news about that this week too. Like I said, a lot of news. Try and keep up, guys. <laughs> so the notable news this week, uh, just the other day, was that the Chiefs completed a restructure for the aforementioned Alex Okafor, which actually essentially cuts him after this season. So he's going to be a free agent after the season. They did restructure his deal and restructured it in such a way that really did not provide a lot of benefit for Okafor. So the speculation has been, obviously this, this isn't something that the team or the player would speak about publicly, but essentially what seems to have happened is that the chiefs decided, you know what, we're for sure going to cut you going into 2021. Um, but if you don't want to be cut now, you can go ahead and take a restructure, agree to essentially knock the last year of your deal off. And we'll let you obviously test free agency. You're going to be playing in a contract here. You're not going to have to go look for a job, you know, during COVID times right now, like you'll still be on the team this year. Um, and that guarantees that you'll get, you know, 16 games to kind of build your case for your next free agent deal. Go in another Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Go win another Super Bowl, you know, I mean, and he was, I mean, he had, uh, I think five sacks in nine or 10 games, which is one shy of his career high, you know, he's going to get an opportunity, but the news that kind of accompanied that was about the chief's cap situation. We talked a little bit about, you know, how the revenue model could change, you know, with the NFL potentially poaching some games from Saturday um, with the college uh, college conferences, canceling some of their games, canceling their season. The chiefs currently rank Taylor 21st in cap space for this season, which is $13 million in cap, a little bit over $13 million. They are currently sitting at $207 million for next year with a possible cap drop to 175. And that would put them at $14 million in the hole, including all of their rollover caps. So if they spent no more money this year and rolled all of that over, they'd still be $14 million in the hole if it goes all the way down to $175 million, which hopefully it won't. We've already kind of discussed that. But the Chiefs also have a lot of pending free agents. Uh, I'm just going to run through the names here really quick. Damian Wilson, uh, the linebacker, not the running back, obviously, Wilson Williams. Uh, Bashad Breland on a one-year deal. Charvarius Ward is going to have his contract up after this season. Dan Swarson, Sammy Watkins, and Demarcus Robinson, both on one-year deals. 
Tano Passigno in the last year of his rookie deal, Mike Pinnell on a one-year deal, Taco Charlton on a one-year deal, Andrew Wiley on the last year of his one-year deal. So not a lot of starters necessarily, but definitely a lot of spots to fill when you've got to fill a 53-man roster and not a whole lot of cap space to do it. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're skating on thin ice, and I think they're – again, we have to go back to stuff that we've brought up earlier, which is Clark Hunt being the chair of the finance committee. Um, I think they have a good grip on their financials as far as what they can and can't afford to lose. And, and I think the only wrench that could be thrown in that is some catastrophic NFL loss of revenue that they couldn't have foreseen coming. But I still, despite all the craziness, until I see them not able to field a competitive team because of it, I'm not sweating it. I feel like we've said many times the cap isn't real. It's just a number that, you know, that the cap team has to squeeze some different stuff into. It's basically a math equation instead of a actual like looming. I, I don't know. I'm not, I was worried about the cap for a while and I kind of realized, you know, when we had $76, I was pretty worried about it. And then, sure. then they just found millions in the couch cushions and I kind of just was like, oh, okay. So it's like not, super critical i mean it obviously you want money but you also want the elite players i'd rather take the elite players than the money at this point and fortunately the chiefs have those in spades they certainly do and you'll notice that none of the players on that list that i just listed off of impending free agents are any of the chiefs elite star players that they're building around and that kind of form the core of this team obviously You'd like to see somebody like Charvarius Ward probably get an extension. Um, yeah. He's obviously, he's a starter. You know, a guy like K-Pass, uh, Mike Pinnell, Taco, if he shows out this year. Bashad All guys that, maybe. yeah, Bashad for sure. Guys that could certainly, uh, that would, would be nice to have around. You know, if the, if the TV deals, you know, kind of show out and the NFL is able to turn this ratings bonanza that they're, they're facing down here if they can pull it off and the latest news on all the COVID testing today from Tom Pelissero was very positive that the, the positivity rates are really low. You know, if they can pull it off, they're going to make a boatload of money and it probably isn't going to be much of a problem for the chiefs at all. It's going to get a little dicey if it goes all the way down to $175 million. But, you know, we talked about this when Chris Jones signed the chiefs, obviously they went over this with Clark hunt before they gave Chris Jones the deal that they gave him you know, Brant Tillis and Brett Veach, I think probably as soon as COVID reared its head in March, you know, have been thinking about the possible future cap implications. And, you know, they're in a good situation too. We already kind of talked about the the number of draft picks they have for next season. You know, obviously what they can do with uh, UDFA is they've, they've been able to add a lot of guys in free agency. This year, veteran deals, you know, those veteran minimum contracts, guys like Mike Rimmers and, and people like that, they've been able to bring in even Coleccio Simile, who's making a little bit over um, league minimum, but he, you know, he's obviously, he's not making a tremendous amount of money for a veteran player and a guy that could be a pretty big contributor this year. So there's no reason to think that the Chiefs can't maybe um, fill some of those holes pretty cheaply next year, whether that be with their draft picks or with some of those cheaper free agent signings. We're good at filling um, holes, man. Yeah, we certainly are. And we're good at winning football games. That pretty much does it, I think, for the news, Taylor. So we do have some mailbag questions. As always, you guys can uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at RealBirdLawyer. He's at Taylor underscore Wit. Very original. Uh, you can add us. You can slide into our DMs. 
we just kind of keep a doc and we'll throw some mailbag answers at you and we'll probably try to do one more dedicated mailbag episode maybe before the season starts here in a month, which is crazy to say. But we do have just some questions today that we wanted to kind of go through. We've got a Bill O'Brien division right off the bat. So we have a question first from our bird of war, Zach, the layman's terms, at the layman's terms. Kaka! Who had the better burner, Derek Carr or Bill O'Brien? Did you know that Bill O'Brien had a burner account, Taylor? No, I had no idea until I read this question. I, I didn't either, and so I did a little digging on this. And I will say, Zach, I was a little disappointed because I don't know that this was ever entirely confirmed. Now, if true, this Bill O'Brien burner was fairly spicy, okay? It uh, it didn't get quite the mileage from, you know, legitimate press sources, is what I would say, that this Derek Carr burner did. Uh, but it did have, you know, I mean, it had some tendencies for sure, right? Like, he's jumping in to defend everything that Bill O'Brien is doing. That's a he's, big red flag. Yeah, right, exactly. Huge. Because who, who would do that? Uh, but this Bill O'Brien burner, if confirmed, that's a pretty spicy burner. Now, as far as better burner, though, I mean, like, this Jace Frost burner, I don't know. I feel like if he hadn't deleted his account, Derek Carr, nobody would be any the wiser. Yeah. So who had the better burner? I mean, what what do we mean by better? What does better mean, Taylor? I think it's more fun for us, and if that's the case, it's definitely Derek Carr. Well, he's a direct division rival, and I agree with that. And we were directly involved in kind of outing him and putting him on trial and convicting him of using <laughs> his burner account. Check out last week. Hey, there was no conviction. That's 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 fair. <laughs> it, it was given to the jury to decide. We need to put a poll out on that. Yeah, uh, I would say if, if if by better we mean more entertaining for us, it has to be Derek Carr because yeah. this Bill O'Brien one flew way under the radar for me. Uh, if we're going with better in terms of like who who was more clandestine in their burner, it, that's got to be Bill O'Brien because mm-hmm. this account is still active. The account <laughs> that it accused of being Bill O'Brien's, Bill O'Brien's burner account still out there, which obviously that's the right way to play it. If you're operating a burner account and somebody calls you out, you just got to tweet through deny, it. Deny, deny, deny. If deny, you deny, it, deny it, it's like it, it never happened. It's like it never happened. So Bill O'Brien definitely gets the nod there. I don't know. We'll call that a wash. Uh, second question here, really more of a comment from our guy, PKS, Polish Chiefs fan. <laughs> Bird of War, shout out to our Polish audience. Uh, we did get the numbers back the other day. We're back. <laughs> we're back on the Polish charts, Taylor. We're back. That's all because of PKS. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Last week, I think we were eighth on the Polish charts. So we are happy to be back on the charts. Thank you so much, Polish Chiefs fan. For the pod, Andy versus Bill O'Brien in the playoffs. <laughs> 30 to nothing and 51 to 31 <laughs> what? 25 points difference on average if they meet in the playoffs again this year should the chiefs be 25 point <laughs> favorites i i mean that's just math right like yeah. i i mean the averages check out so i i think that i think that's <laughs> I think what the line until proven otherwise it yeah, looks I think like that's what the it would chiefs have to are be. gonna gonna blow out the texans in the playoffs and you know i was gonna say well you know, the Texans do have Deshaun Watson, but the Chiefs had Alex Smith for one of those games. So it's not yeah. like it's it's not like it's Pat Mahomes every time. This is just yeah, and Andy Reid being Andy Reid. Alex Smith didn't even really do anything in that no. game. It, no. it was, you know, I Niall mean, Davis had a kickoff Niall return Davis to start the it. opening kickoff touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then the defense against Brian Hoyer. Yeah. You know, at, right. I mean, up. 30 to nothing 51 to 31 with a 24 to nothing lead for the texans pretty Oof. gross 
Good job, Bill O'Brien. We've got one from another one of our Birds of War, Kevin Meyer, at Casey Kaw. Since Austin mentioned he is a nervous eater, what are your most comforting NFL game day foods? Does it change depending on the score? And there's a follow-up, but let's take this first part of it first. So for me, comforting NFL game day foods. I have shouted out the hy Bacon yeah. Cheddar Ranch dip before. <laughs> That is a, a go-to. I don't know how I'm Your going blood's to like that. 6% high V bacon redder. Bacon During football season dip. and for sure on Sundays, it absolutely is. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm going to replace that since I now live in Colorado and we don't have high V here. Uh, the other staple for both of us, of course, is Q39, Q39 Pitmaster brisket. Uh, Taylor lives in a premium location where he is near both a Q39 and a high V. So, <laughs> I picked my house accordingly. Yeah, in in pre-COVID times, this was an ideal situation for me to secure my game day foods. Now for chips, I don't actually really like, I like these Trader Joe's chips because when you buy the bacon cheddar ranch dip, it is cold, like it's refrigerated. And, and so it takes thick. like a thick, it takes like a thick chip to sort of cut in there without the chip breaking off. So these, uh, these Trader Joe's crinkle cut um, sea salted potato chips are very good for kind of cutting into those. What about you, Taylor? Well, as we've discussed, I don't really concentrate on eating that much, especially during a stressful football game. If it's a non-stressful football game and usually it's right after lunch, so usually I've just had, you know, sandwich or whatever really I ate for no, lunch. You got I'm not, your pitmaster. Or my or exactly, or the queue or whatever. <laughs> but I'm not really I'm not really one of those fans that correlates eating and football, which a lot of people do. And I mean I'm a fat ass. So I'm not saying that like I don't like to eat, but I just don't really, the two don't really mix a lot for me. I don't know what it is. It is a big time coping mechanism for me. And uh, we are for sure very different in that way. So follow up to this one, game day food question. What do you feel is an underrated food for NFL <laughs> viewing and an overrated food, AKA the Elway of foods? Cross Elway off your bingo board. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every episode nailed it. Thank you, Kevin, for giving us that. I don't know about underrated Underrated foods is kind of tricky because obviously everybody's tastes are a little bit different. And it's same with overrated foods. I mean, there are foods that I don't like that other people do like, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, you're, they're, they're, you know, different dips and sauces. I'm not a blue cheese guy at all. I don't oh, like, no. I don't like blue cheese with anything. Agreed. Blue cheese is gross. Get yeah. ranch. We're going to lose some, some listeners for that, but that's well, it's fine. It's like rotted food. Like get yeah. food that hasn't rotted. Yeah. No, yeah, get get your fresh food. Get your fresh food from the high V, your ranch, your bacon cheddar ranch. You yeah. know, there 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 are fresh cut green onions in that bacon cheddar ranch dip. All right. That is fresh, right? They're off the delicious. Line. Okay. It's not your blue cheese. It's been sitting out. Who knows? Uh he's gonna have to be one of the sponsors of this podcast. They're, they are. They're gonna have to be aware of our existence first, but you guys go <laughs> go throw an ad at High V and uh tell them they need to send us uh send us a little sponsorship. Yeah. Thanks, by the way. We're going to use this opportunity in the middle of the episode to plug Manscapes. You really need to do a new Manscaped read because you keep saying we need their business to secure our sponsorship with Manscaped. We secured it, guys. Thanks <laughs> to viewers like you that totally crushed it and used the code. So continue to do that. Manscaped is great. Yeah, good call. I haven't recorded that, or I recorded that <laughs> literally the first time we got yeah, it. Yeah, I, I haven't done anything God. different. And yeah, I know. Literally, Manscaped emailed me, and they're like, "Hey, so <laughs> have you been doing some new reads?" And I'm like, "Uh, no." <laughs> so, gonna need to uh, gonna need to go record that this week. 
Uh, we got a first time question here from Drew McDermott at Drew, DMC Dermots. I started your podcast a few episodes in, so I'm hoping this is where I post questions. This was this was straight into the DMs. By Nailed the way. it. This, this guy gets it. He got it. What's more alien-like, Ooh. Sammy Starman Watkins or Mahomes Ketchup on Steak Paradox? I am a Mahomes. It would also explain his otherworldly athletic ability. This is great. We, we've got a whole alien theme. We didn't even really plan this out in advance, but it's, uh, it's really coming together, Taylor. That's how you know that we are professionals, right? It's a well-oiled machine here. It certainly is. So I've thought about the Mahomes Ketchup thing a lot. And when that first became a story – my reaction to it was the same as what I'm going to give for this tweet. Think about all of the exceptional people in the world. I'm not just talking about athletes. I'm talking about entrepreneurs and billionaires and influencers and whatever, anybody that has uh, a deal, uh, a great deal of wealth or influence or athletic ability, whatever it is, there's some weird things about those people. All right. Like they're all certainly. Okay. And Aside from the ketchup thing, Patrick Mahomes is just not only totally normal, like it's weird how normal and approachable and cool he is. Like his teammates talk about it all the time, how he's totally down to earth and, you know, just one of the guys, even though he's now worth half a billion dollars and he owns a baseball team and he's the best football player that anybody's ever seen in the entire world. This ketchup thing to me is a little bit like Tom Brady never having eaten a strawberry which is a thing, right? Like Tom Brady's never eaten a strawberry. He kisses his kids on the mouth. On the okay. Mouth. Like he, he drinks like avocado milkshakes. Okay. TB12, the TB12 method is like total quackery pseudoscience. Okay. That guy, we've bagged on him on this show before. He's an exceptional quarterback. So I feel like the quirks just kind of come with being an exceptional athlete at the top of your game. I think that the steak on ketchup thing, to me, it's part of what I, I think Drew nailed it. It's part of what explains his athletic ability. Like if, if this steak on ketchup thing wasn't a part of the Patrick Mahomes experience, I feel like we would lose a little bit of his exceptionalism. I don't know about you. I will pose a counter argument. And that is that I believe every person is full of weirdness. And the more you analyze someone, he is in the spotlight. People mm-hmm. want to know his every move, everything he eats, everything he looks at. It, you, they're going to find these things that if someone was going to look at our lives, they would also be like, dude, are you crazy? You do this? Like, there's just people try and be normal. And for the most part, most of us get away with it most of the time. But there's just, there are just going to be cracks in the armor for everybody. And steak and ketchup is not even the weirdest thing that I know, you know, of NFL players. Like it's, it's very bland for a weird thing. Well, we are comparing him to Sammy Watkins. (laughs) Well, okay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The, the question did say, which is more alien. like. So you're saying that putting steak on ketchup is less weird than thinking that you can like astrally project and I mean, even saying that sentence chart. out loud, you know the answer to that. <laughs> yes, yes. Sammy Watkins is one of the weirdest humans among humans are a group of weird animals. And Sammy Watkins is one of the weirdest of them. And Pat is just kind of just kind of out there doing his thing. Sammy is berserk. He is very, very strange. 
We appreciate the question, Drew. Don't, uh, yeah, don't for hesitate listening. to keep, keep writing in. And yeah, thank you for listening. We've got one from uh, James McGregor, one of our birds of war. <laughs> Mailbag question. While chatting with our pal and fellow bird of war, he used the bird emoji, which cracks me up. It's like an eagle emoji. Yeah, it's a great The emoji. artist chief at Corio 4 shout out to Corey. We somehow came to the realization that we were both born and raised in the same city and that 21 years ago, we we're students in the same small elementary school, though we've never met as he's four years older than me. Very cool. A realization that we must now be BFFs made me ponder, how did Austin and Taylor meet and become friends? <laughs> I feel it's a story all hashtag birds of war should be intimately familiar with. Hashtag caca, hashtag flock yeah. Taylor, I'm going to let you handle yeah, the story because it's much funnier when you tell it. So uh, we have known each other now, I believe 2013. I think was the year I'm, I might be off by a year or so like in person. Yeah. Right. That's what I was going to say. We were, so although we met in 2013, we were aware of each other's existence for a couple (laughs) years before that. (laughs) So back in college, um, the college for me was late, like 20, 2008, nine, 10 range. Uh, I was part of a group of fantasy NBA and a fantasy NBA league, which is not very normal for me. It's the only year I've ever done it. You'll find out why in a minute. Um, but it's also, I'm not, I, I don't really have an NBA team. I like basketball a lot, but I'm a KU guy. Uh, but we were just, you know, we we're messing around. We we're playing fantasy. Um, and one of our buddies who actually we mentioned earlier in the show for uh, making him pick number one overall Aaron Rodgers in the fantasy football league. But uh, our, our buddy is mutual friends between Austin and I. And so I join a league with him and there's a couple people in it that I don't know. Uh, but most of them I'm pretty familiar with. So anyways, so we're playing and one of the quirks about NBA fantasy compared to um NFL fantasy for sure is that the players play many times a week right so when they play many times a week you've got to swap them in and out and you've got to say you know you got to put someone in and then the next day when they're not doing so well you got to put someone else in so there were a couple guys in our league two of them in particular that I didn't know um, but I knew them because I hated them because they were hammering the transaction page by dropping everybody on their team and just picking up whoever would play that night and then accumulating their stats. And then the next day they would drop all those guys and pick up more guys. And, and it was infuriating because it wasn't against the rules, but it was against the spirit. And it was a very lawyer like um, thing to, to be doing is to not be playing the game that we wanted to play, but to be playing to win. And so I was enraged and I remember just thinking like, I don't ever want to play any type of game with anybody like this ever again. This is just very this is dumb. <laughs> this is not the way that I want to live my life, blah, blah, blah. This was in like 2010. And so then a couple of years go by. I still think about this nameless, faceless person basically. Every night. <laughs> and then Austin and I are introduced to each other again in person uh, through our mutual friend. In and the context of becoming roommates, by the way, like we had yes. met a few times yes. just when I was hanging out with our mutual friend, Max. And then, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, we need somebody to live with us. And what about Austin? You know, he's, he's coming back from law school and, you know, he's living with his parents. Like he probably would be a, a fun guy to get into the mix. And, and Austin and I 
we immediately realized that we had huge obsession with the Royals, huge obsession with the Chiefs. It was obviously we get along great now. We got along great right at the time. And I and for months that we were living together too. I mean, uh, correct. Yeah. And I hadn't really put together, obviously, that you were the same player, person, <laughs> unnamed assassin from our NBA league that drove me crazy for so long. And when we finally um, k- kind of, I don't even really remember how, I think it was just like, well, you I think mentioned we were that you were in that our, league. Yeah. Something. I think we we're getting ready for our first fantasy football draft that we were doing together. Yeah. And you said I played in, 20, in an NBA fantasy league. Cause I don't think either of us yeah, really in 2015. Yeah. 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 No, th- I mean, honestly, I had never, ever made this connection before. Yeah. Um, me neither. It, from my perspective, what I remember about this as one of the people that was gaming the system, which by the way, my team made it to the finals and the other stranger in our league, my friend Kasif was also in the finals. He had a much better team than me. This, this league was a joke. Okay. We auto drafted yeah. our teams. So like he got like LeBron, like fourth back in 2015 when LeBron was clearly the best player. I in the was NBA. like 2008, but yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. You're right. We got yeah. together in 2015 yeah. when we found this out, but the league, <laughs> yes, the league was when we were in college, but still, it was absurd that, you know, anyway, whatever. So he won. I got second place. What I remember about this was this was back on Yahoo Fantasy, and there was like I'm a like message board. <laughs> yeah, there was a message board. And obviously, you didn't know either of us in real life. So, like, no. your only way to communicate with us was like the message board. Yes. So, Taylor, even though I did not know it was a Taylor at the time, like, posted this whole rant on the yeah, message like a about how this yeah. whole thing was a joke yeah. we should cancel the league we're making a mockery of this whole situation <laughs> how we should lock rosters every week yeah you know we should put a limit on transactions which there should be a limit on weekly transactions but there wasn't the nba league but there was not <laughs> so that was that was how the league operated that was how uh mm. me and my buddy kasif made it to the finals in our nba league and then several years later, after we had been living together and were like best friends, yeah. several months, <laughs> we, we were getting ready for, I think, probably our first NFL draft together. And our friend Max, who had introduced us, like mentioned that we had been in a fantasy league together before. And immediately, as soon as he said it, we both realized who the other person was this whole time. Yes. That I was this troll that had ruined Taylor's fantasy basketball league. Had a very like twin separate at birth moment where it was just like yes. you <laughs> yes exactly yes and uh so yeah so that's how um that was our first our first meeting online in yahoo uh fantasy basketball way back in yeah 2007 2008 so Ugh, i need a drink uh, yeah right uh appreciate uh that question james for giving us a chance to tell our origin story <laughs> i did mute my microphone for pretty much the whole time that you were talking taylor because <laughs> Obviously, this story is very funny, yes. very funny to me, yes. uh, just to think about how how enraged that must have made you. Um, rolling, rolling right <laughs> along, we have a question from our bird of war, Brian Westhues. Topical, topical question, as uh, uh, Joe Biden announced his running mate today, if Biden had to pick an always sunny character as his vice president, who should be his first pick? This is obvious. This is obvious because one, one character has already written a, a beautiful flowing speech that is, is very moving and it's very um, emblematic of being a vice presidential candidate. So I will just read this, this Charlie Kelly speech because of how gorgeous it is. Hello, fellow American. This you should vote me. 
I leave power good. Thank you. Thank you. If you vote me, I'm hot. What? Taxes. They'll be lower, son. The Democratic vote for me is right thing to do, Philadelphia. So do. This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) These are the words that you wrote. Uh, But would it be Dennis or would it be Charlie? Now, obviously, Charlie was the speechwriter, but Dennis is the face, right? Like, I mean. That's true. That's, That's a good point. I feel like, I mean, Dennis is the one who actually did run for comptroller. So I, I don't know. I I think he would be, he would be the perfect politician. You know, the, the ability to wear another man's skin, Mm. have complete control. That would, (laughs) that would be, um, that would be useful in the political realm for sure. So last question for this episode, if we didn't get to it, Corey, your question was too long and I will dedicate a whole segment to it on the next podcast. I could not get to it this week. Uh, Corey wanted me to come up with a band for every team in the NFL. There's 32 teams to. in the NFL. I am going to do it, but I, I didn't have time to devote to it appropriately this week. So we'll, we'll fit that in on next week's episode, but we have a question for one of our birds of war, Garrick Baldwin. Ka-ka! So how many sacks do Frank Clark and Chris Jones have together? or how many do they have to have to be the best duo of all time? And do you think it's possible? Hmm. So this was a little tricky because obviously you're talking about like, you know, over a period of several years that gets a little bit tricky because, you know, sometimes guys are together for a couple of years and then they move on. You know, it's pretty rare that you have two star pass rushers that spend more than, you know, two or three seasons together. Sure. That's just the way the NFL works. We know that hopefully if, if both Frank and Chris play out their current deals, that they are going to be teammates for at least the next four seasons. So that would give them a total of five years together, which would be a pretty good chunk of time. But just to play around with some single season numbers, Taylor, the record for most sacks by a pair of teammates in a single season comes from the 1989 Minnesota Vikings. Chris Dolman had 21 and Keith Millard, had 18 for a combined 39 sacks from Jeez. two teammates, which is a pretty, a pretty outrageous number. It's such an outrageous number that the second place, the second most for two teammates is 33. That's six fewer sacks. That was the 1992 Philadelphia Eagles. Clyde Simmons had 19 and Reggie White, who's probably the bigger name there had 14 sacks. So they combined for 33. And in third place, the 1986 New York Giants, 32.5 sacks. So again, pretty far off that 1989 Vikings duo. Lawrence Taylor had 20 and a half and Leonard Marshall had 12. So the chiefs record Garrick is 29 and a half. Neil, Th- or Neil Smith and Derek Thomas combined for that total in 1990, 29 and a half sacks. So Justin Houston and uh, his teammates <laughs> are the runner up for the chiefs franchise record. Justin Houston had 22. And Tom Mahali and Dontari Poe each had six in his season. So that's in second place. Houston with 22 and his teammates with a high of six. So for single seasons, the mark to beat best uh, duo of teammate pass rushers is 39. It's going to be pretty tough to beat. That would be second and fourth all-time in Chiefs history, Dolman and Millard. 21 and 18 would be second and fourth all-time. So it definitely would be tough to do. But Chris Jones's career high is 15 and a half. And I believe, where does that rank on the single season list third, for the Chiefs? Tied for third. So with, so with Chris uh, Jones, Jared Allen. 
So Chris Jones, uh, 15 and a half sacks, that's his career high set in 2018 when he had that crazy NFL record sack streak where he had at least one sack in, what was it, 10, 11 straight games? Yeah. Uh, he is at 15.5. That's his career high. Frank's career high, which was also in 2018, so same year when he was still with the Seahawks, is 13. So the two of them together, and a half 28 and a half. I mean, that's that would be one off of the Chiefs record, okay, which is obviously set by two – you know, incredible players in Neil Smith and Derek Thomas. But, you know, uh, they could definitely, I mean, they could definitely hit 30. 39 is, I feel like the NFL has has gotten to a place where, I mean, I don't think two teammates will ever have 39 sacks in a season ever again. I agree with that. You'll notice that these top three on the list are in 89, 92, and 86. Mm-hmm. So the sack became an official stack, I think, in 84. The NFL um, was real crude. It was. It was real crude. I mean, this was back when, you know, the the passing game was not nearly as evolved as it is now. I mean, the the way NFL offenses are designed now, they can get the ball out so much faster than they used to. You know, they used to be – all under center, five-step drop, seven-step drop. You know, you weren't taking snaps out of shotgun really at all. You know, you didn't have – Quarterbacks move around a lot. Yeah, quarterbacks are more mobile now. You didn't have all of these, you know, designed outlets, you know, your checkdowns, your running backs, et cetera. Uh, I mean, the passing game really was – I mean, it literally – it was really crude. So, I mean, I think your sack totals from those – from that era, you know, are they're going to – they're going to be hard to – see again unless the rules of the nfl change in some way which I, I wouldn't anticipate them you know regressing in that regard but i think they could hit 30 i mean you know they're they're the two main guys uh, obviously chris jones has the potential you know 15 and a half sacks and it's tough to get those numbers as an interior pass rusher but we've seen aaron donald you know hit 20 a couple of times now uh he's obviously yeah, cj's not just an interior pass rusher yeah, he's like exactly. the most second most dominant interior pass rusher in the game so he can obviously get there and frank if you count his postseason run this past year i mean frank had in the regular season eight sacks but then in the postseason had another five sacks yeah so obviously i mean you know you're adding three more games there onto his schedule or excuse me he did miss two games so you're mm-hmm. talking about 17 games including the playoffs he had and he 13. was sick early he had 13 you know? He kind of he kind of yeah. had like three quarters of a season with the Chiefs last. Right, year. he played through an injury early, and then he obviously he had that crazy illness late in the season that caused him to drop twenty pounds or whatever in a week. Uh, that did not seem to affect his play at all. Ask Tom Brady about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Frank essentially has hit his career high of thirteen a couple of times now, and I think he still has some room to grow as a pass rusher. I think, I mean the the thing that that makes it possible. The reason you would say, yeah, I mean, this could happen is those guys are still, I mean, Frank was just 26 in his 20, 2019 season. He'll be 27 this year. Chris Jones is a little bit younger than that. I mean, these guys are still in their prime mm-hmm. and this was their first season playing together. They're playing in a new defense, you know, under Steve Spagnuolo first, first time playing under Steve Spagnuolo for both of those guys. They'll be playing with leads. They'll be playing with leads. They can pin their ears back and rush the passer. I think it's possible. I definitely think they could get to 30. Getting to 39, I, I mean, listen, we love the Chiefs on this podcast. I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. That, would be, that would be wild. Uh, but 30, sure, that could definitely happen. Uh, it would be very cool to see them break that record, helped by Neil Smith and Derek Thomas, and get to that 30 plateau. 
that's all the questions that we have for this week, guys. We do have a couple uh, queued up for next week, teed up for next week. If you all have any questions for us, certainly feel free to jump into our DMs or shoot us a message on Twitter. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back next week.